Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. What do you believe about God? When I hear that question, a whirlwind of emotions stirs in me because having known God and knowing God personally, I want others to know God too. Like Jesus has changed my life, so I want him to change others' lives. And because of that, I want to help others know God by knowing Jesus. In fact, I pray for an opportunity to share about Jesus with others. So when someone asks, what do you believe about God? Part of me just leaps with excitement because I've been praying for this opportunity. And knowing people, I also realize that this question more than other questions has the potential to spark a heated debate. And I hate debates. So part of me shrinks back in fear when I think of having to answer this question, what do you believe about God? What about you? What's going on inside of you? What thoughts, what emotions are stirred up when you're posed with the question, what do you believe about God? Depending on where you're at in your your spiritual journey, it's probably different thoughts, different emotions, and that's okay. We're all at a different spot in our spiritual journey, and depending on where we're at, we feel and think different things when we're posed with a question such as, what do you believe about God? That's okay, whatever you're feeling, whatever you're thinking, just acknowledge where you are. And today, we're gonna be invited to take a step forward in our faith, wherever we're at on our spiritual journey, whether we know God, whether we don't know God, whether we don't even know what we think about God. We're all gonna get an opportunity to take a step forward in our faith today. And could today be the day where you go from not knowing what you think about God to actually gaining clarity to what you think about God. Maybe even coming to know God personally. Or maybe you know God, but the thought of answering this question, what do you believe about God? It's a scary question for you to answer with others. But it doesn't have to be that way. Could today be the day that you grow in confidence in answering this question and sharing about the God you know with others? Wherever we're at, today we're all invited to grow in our faith. What do you believe about God? It's a good question. It's actually the best question. There's nothing more important than our answer to this question. And whether we're asked it directly or indirectly, this question shouldn't be a scary question for us to answer. In the first century, Paul, one of the disciples who went around the Mediterranean sharing about Jesus, found himself one day posed this question essentially by some philosophical debaters, and he's invited to share about the God that he knows. So Paul does just that, and we're going to learn from his example and his message how we can know God and make God known. Now, if you've got a Bible, I invite you to turn with me to Acts 17, where we see this account fleshed out. Luke documented it for us, and if you need a Bible, You can, of course, access one for free in our church app, where there's also a place where you can jot down some notes during the message. We've been in this Unleashed series for some time now because, like the early church, we want to be part of a move of God, something bigger than us. 
And what we've realized is that this starts with a shift in mindset. We need to think of ourselves as everyday missionaries, missionaries that are on a mission, a mission that's a movement. This is how the early church functioned and it's the way we should live our lives too. And when the early church lived this way, they lived as missionaries where they engaged with people in their own cities and then some even traveled to engage with people and share the gospel in new cities. We see the good news of Jesus spread like wildfire all around the Mediterranean. And Paul was actually one of the key people that God used to spread the gospel. And today, he finds himself in Athens, Greece, in the passage that we're going to look at. Now, Athens was a well-educated city, very spiritual in nature. And in some ways, I kind of think of South Denver when I think of Athens. Here, we've got people who are highly educated, very, very smart, intellectual. And if you talk to people, Sometimes we'll hear things like, I'm spiritual, but not religious. Well, the people of Athens were very spiritual themselves, and they worshipped all kinds of gods. Now, they didn't know the one true God, so when Paul arrived in Athens, he started telling them about Jesus and his resurrection. And this piqued the interest of some of the philosophers and debaters that were present. So they invite him to the Areopagus. The, the place where the religious council would meet. We have a picture of it here. And Paul is here, and he's a, he, the irony is thick. Because here, they're, they're questioning Paul about his belief in God, but he's about to school them, revealing the incoherence of their beliefs. And as we look at this account, we're going to see how we can know God and make him known like Paul does. But first, let me do this. Let me pray for us and ask that God would reveal himself through his word. God, thank you for the opportunity to open your word now. Would you speak in this time? Would you help us to know you more? And when we know you, would you give us the courage, the boldness, and the know-how to share about you with others? In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I've hinted at it a couple times already, but the point of what we're going to see from this passage today is this. Know God and make him known. This is what Paul does, and it's what we're invited to do as well. It's the big idea of the message, and it's how we should live our lives. But how do we know God? How do we make him known? It starts when we engage spiritual curiosity. This is what Paul did when he was with the Athenians. Check this out. Picking up in Athens, or excuse me, Acts 17, 22 through 23. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. Okay, why should the Athenians pay any attention to what Paul's about to say? Paul grabs their attention when he said this. You know that unknown God that you got a statue for? Yeah, I'm going to reveal that God to you today. Spiritual as the Athenians were, they had all these statues and idols for, for, for the gods that they worshipped. They even had a statue that they labeled unknown God, just in case they forgot a God in the process. 
it was their their just in case clause their i feel like there must be more to life pondering now paul sees they're they're uncertain that they don't fully understand the divine the they have questions even about could there be another god and paul's saying hey guys you know this uncertainty that you have i'm gonna make some i'm gonna bring some certainty to that uncertainty so what was uncertain it'll be certain after i share this message with you and do you think that they started to scramble for the bathroom at this point not a chance they're scrambling not for the bathroom but for a notebook they are going to hear about the unknown god that they have this statue for now you might be thinking okay cool chris like that's that's great for the athenians but we don't have any unknown gods today. And respectfully, I beg to differ. Sure, we, we don't have altars in our homes with a little plaque underneath that says unknown God, because that would be weird. But we do figure that if I do more good works than bad works, I'll go to heaven. If I just go to church enough, God will be pleased with me. The only problem with this line of thinking is that good works and, and going to church, it's not the solution to our problem. The Athenians loved shooting the breeze. They loved talking about philosophical, theological ideas, and Paul just meets them right where they're at. But why should we be interested? Like, why would we even want to know God? Like, what could we experience? What could we expect if we did know God? Well, let me ask you this. What are some of the things that you're curious about, that your, your friends, your neighbors, what, what are they curious about? Finding one's true self, connecting with others, making a difference with their life? It's interesting. In almost every season of life, we seem to ask ourselves very similar questions. Questions whether we're asking them consciously or, or thinking about them subconsciously, they're questions like, like, who am I? Or where do I fit? What's my purpose? And these are good questions. Not only are they good questions, they're actually answers to these questions. And when we know God, these questions, they come into focus. At least that's been my experience. You see, there was a time in life where I was a teenager and I was wondering, like, who am I? Who are my friends? Like, what's my community? Where do I, where do I resonate? Like, who do I connect with? What am I supposed to do with my life? And in that season of this questioning, I came to know God in a very personal way. And I got gained clarity around who God is. Now, I want to tell everyone about him because, well, knowing God, I want to make him known. I want others to know God like I know him. Because you and your coworkers and your neighbors, they can gain clarity around some of these nagging questions too. Now, it all starts with engaging spiritual curiosity. Your spiritual curiosity, the spiritual curiosity of others, but it doesn't stop there. Paul continued to do this, and he went on to share God's story. It's the second principle that we observe from Paul's ministry here. With this captive audience, Paul goes on to present a threefold case for who God is and, and how they can know him. He starts with this, God created everything so everyone would know him. Paul taught it this way in verses 24 through 28. 
The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands, and he's not served by human hands. As if he needed anything, rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history in the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him though he's not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. God is the creator, not the created. Like we can't make God because God made us. Try this, just walk outside. If you're here in Colorado, just like walk outside and look to the west, to the Rockies. God created them. If you look to the east, you might be a little confused, but if you look to the west, you'll see the Rockies. Or maybe even, if, what if you do this? What if you go to Rocky Mountain National Park and at midnight you look up at the sky and you see the stars? God created them. You go to the cabin, sit around the campfire, look around. God created them. Go to the bathroom. You're like, where's he going with this? Look in the mirror. God created you. You, you, can't, you can't make God, you can't fabricate him, you can't come up with what he is about because he made you. Like, we are created by God, and we're created by God to have a relationship with him. When I was a youth pastor, I would love bringing our students up to Estes Park or Buena Vista because when we we're in the mountains, I didn't ever have to convince our students that God existed. Creation took care of that. I simply got to tell our students that the God of all creation created them, and he wants a relationship with them too. So God created everything, so everyone would know him. And then Paul continued when he, when he basically says this, we don't know God. Like, you don't know God, Athenians. Like, you don't. You think you do, but you don't. He made his case this way in verse 29. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. As humans, we're created to worship, but not knowing God, what we do is we worship the created versus the creator. This is what the Athenians did. They did it very visibly with statues made of gold and silver and stone. Now, we don't do it quite as visibly, but we do the same. We start to worship the created. Maybe it's money, because money gives us this feeling of godlike power. Or, or maybe it's health, because of the invincibility we feel when we eat clean and we work out. Maybe it's status, because of the acceptance, the, the, the significance we feel from others based on what we've achieved. There's nothing wrong with money, uh, status, health. They're good things. Just like gold, silver, and stone, those are good things. There's nothing wrong with good things. The problem is when we make good things ultimate things, and we start to worship them rather than the one who's given them to us, or the one who's created them, that's when things get off. And when, when that gets off, when we start to worship the created versus the creator, 
we lose in the end. But there's an alternate ending. And Paul invites his audience, the Athenians, to realize it. And we're invited to realize it too. Paul essentially then says, get to know Jesus to get to know God. He had preached Jesus in the synagogue and, and taught about Jesus. And then when he is standing before the Areopagus, Paul taught this. Verse 30 and 31, in the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man, Jesus, he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Sin, it separates us from God, and sin is essentially turning from God to something else. It could be to gold, silver, or stone. It could be to money, health, and status. It could be anything, even good things, right? We've covered this. But when we turn from this, well, we're no longer in a relationship with God. We're no longer worshiping God like we were created to do. And we've all sinned. We've all turned from God to something else. And the bad news is, as Paul wrote in another letter, for the wages of sin is death. The problem being, we can't undead ourselves. There's no amount of good works, no number of times we can go to church that we can undead ourselves. But Paul continues, and this is the good news, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. How do we receive this gift of God? Because <laughs> eternal life sounds a whole lot better than death. We, we turn from our sin to our Savior, from our sin to God. We repent. Repent has this connotation of, of flipping a 180. It's a changing of life. It's a looking to Jesus now for forgiveness. You see, while our sin disconnected us from God, we turned our back on him. Jesus actually connects us to a relationship with God. While we might have been confused or curious about God, we can actually confidently know God because we can know Jesus. He walked on the earth, he died, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again and he's offering us life in relationship with God. This is the story that Paul shared with his audience and it's the story we should share when we're sharing with someone about the God that we know too. So, having engaged spiritual curiosity and then shared God's story, Paul does one more thing when making God known to the Athenians. And it's this, invite them to respond. When we share God's story and we don't invite whoever we're talking to to respond, we do a disservice to God and we do a disservice to the person in front of us. Because God wants the person in front of us, maybe even you, to know him too. When we realize that our purpose is to know God and make him known, as a pastor in Atlanta, Georgia, Louis Giglio says, purpose then is not realized in what we do. Purpose is realized in how we do it. Just about any job can become purposeful then because we can know God more through what we're doing, and we can make him known at the water cooler, on the Zoom call, whatever it is, we can make God known wherever we are 
with whoever we're with. Now, when we do this, like Paul, we're probably going to experience some different responses. It's, it's only natural. It's normal. And we're going to take a look at the responses that Paul experienced because we'll probably experience the same. So here's Paul's experience as described in verses 32 through 34. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. But others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. Now I'm going to quickly go through these three responses, and I'm going to share them in such a way that maybe you would respond in this way today. So the first response is this, mock. I hope this isn't what you decide to do, but you know, you might have heard this message, listened to this, and thought, you know what? Not for me. It's just not for me. You might even choose to mock me, and that's okay. I just want you to know I respect you. I respect your choice to believe what you believe. Thank you for hearing me out, and I want you to know you are always welcome at Connect. You can even belong and be part of our community before believing what we believe. So while today might not be the day where you're like, hey, I'm ready, I'm ready to receive Jesus, that's okay. I understand. We would love to get to know you more. Which kind of leads us to the second response, explore. We see some of them express a desire to, to talk more about these things. Maybe that's where you're at. If that's where you're at, I would encourage you to join us at 10 a.m. at the rec center on Sundays in Lone Tree because we design our services very intentionally to help you connect with Jesus. We can do that in some ways through an online service like this, but we can also do it in some incredible ways through worship and other things when we gather in person. So when you're in town, join us at 10 a.m. at the Lone Tree Rec Center. And when you're traveling or sick, you can, of course, join us for this online service as well. Now, don't just join, actually talk to people about what you're processing, what you're learning, the questions that you have. Like if there's someone you know who's following Jesus, maybe the friend who invited you to watch today, talk to them about what you're learning and talk to them about their experience. Now, maybe you don't know who you could talk to about faith or you would like a community that you could grow with. That's why we do community groups, and you can find out more about a community group where you can make some friends and grow in your faith on our app. Now, the third response is follow. We see that some chose to follow Paul they believed, but maybe you're there today too. Like, you're, you're ready to follow. You don't have all your questions answered. I don't either. But you know enough, like, like the Holy Spirit, God's been speaking to you in such a way that, that you're like, okay, I think Jesus is the real deal. I want to follow him. And if that's where you're at, I got to tell you, that's awesome. We would love to celebrate with you. We'd love to hear a little bit more of your story, encourage you as you take this adventure of a lifetime in following Jesus. So let us know on your Connect card that you're making a decision to follow Jesus and we'll be in touch real soon. In fact, today... At the Lone Tree Rec Center, Chrissy is getting baptized because she wants to follow Jesus. And that's what we see people do when they decide to follow Jesus. You see, Chrissy grew up Catholic. And uh, her family would go to Mass on a semi-regular basis. But when she was 18, she just walked away from it all. She's like, I'm, I'm just done with religion, not interested. And then over time, she just 
encountered a lot of hardship. Her uncle, who she was really close with, passed. Her husband and her experienced multiple losses of pregnancies. And then when she finally had her daughter Emerson, shortly thereafter, her husband's stepfather suddenly passed. And it, it kind of came to a climax for Chrissy a little over a year ago. Last April, shortly after COVID kind of upended the world, Chrissy's cousin had a traumatic brain injury and he should have died. In fact, multiple times along the way, they almost pronounced him dead. But through a series of miracles, as Chrissy describes it, he has recovered and almost completely recovered which is incredible. And when she looks back now, she sees God's hand in that. Partly because around this same time, Trista, Chrissy's friend from work, has started to encourage Chrissy and, and just walk with her through her pain and her hardship and the whole deal. Well, last fall, Trista invited Chrissy and her daughter Emerson to join us at the Lone Tree Rec Center for our services. And they came, and Emerson loved Connect Kids. She had a blast. And Chrissy found community, too, because not only did she join for Sunday service, she actually joined Trista's community group, where she got to ask questions and grow in her faith as well. Well, today, Trista is baptizing Chrissy because Chrissy wants to follow Jesus. How incredible is that? And when I was talking to Chrissy this week, he listened to her story. I gotta tell you, I was inspired by her faith. She's experienced quite a bit of hardship. I, I summarized some of it, but when she looks back, she kept pointing out all the ways that God was in the details. Like, Chrissy, your faith, in, it inspires me. And it also inspires me because she realizes how blessed she is by God. But she, she doesn't want to be a lake. She wants to be a river. She wants to bless others. She looks for opportunities to bless others with her life. And I thought, man, that is a great example of what it looks like when we follow Jesus, that we realize we are blessed to be a blessing. So today we celebrate Chrissy deciding to follow Jesus and demonstrating that by getting baptized. Like Chrissy, we can know God. And like Trista, we can make God known.